presented by Facebook. Hey, good morning, Playbookers. I'm Raghu Munavalan. It's Thursday. In today's show, what Nevada can tell us about the Dems' chances in the midterms. It's your Politico Playbook Daily Briefing. In the coming weeks and months, Team Playbook will be out covering the key districts and states that will decide the outcome of the 2022 midterms. Today's stop, Nevada, home of one of the most undercovered Senate races this cycle. Incumbent Catherine Cortez Masto keeps a low profile in Washington and back home. But she's raised a record amount of money and is spending big on TV ads. Nevada has a famously transient population, so she started with the biographical spot to introduce herself to the hundreds of thousands of potential new voters who weren't around when she was first elected back in 2016. Her other messaging is straight from the Dem strategy for vulnerable senators, reminding voters of all that COVID relief money that kept businesses afloat. Senator Cortez Masto hasn't done much in-person campaigning yet, but that will likely change once the GOP primary is settled. A rare McConnell-Trump combination pick, Adam Laxalt, who led the effort to overturn Nevada's 2020 presidential election results, is facing off against Sam Brown, a West Point grad and Army veteran who was severely injured in Afghanistan in 2008. The political environment for Cortez Masto is, in one word, brutal. Consider the latest poll released this week from Suffolk University and the Reno Gazette Journal. Biden's approval rating in the state was 35%. Cortez Masto would lose to either GOP nominee, 4340 against the well-known Laxalt and 4039 against the relatively unknown Brown. 72% of Nevada voters said the economy was just fair or poor. Inflation is the top issue for voters, 40% of whom said they are worse off compared to four years ago. As is often the case in Nevada, political intrigue abounds. Both state parties have been torn apart by factional fights. But the big story when it comes to the Democrats sinking fortunes is about demographics. It was best framed in a post last week by Rui Teixeira. Quote, what do you get when you combine the Democrats' Hispanic voter problem with the Democrats' working class voter problem? Something like the Democrats' Nevada problem. Teixeira is a co-author of The Emerging Democratic Majority, a 2002 book that argued his party would be the long-term beneficiary of America's growing racial and ethnic diversity. The theory rested on the party retaining most of its white working class base and continuing to run at massive margins in the non-white electorate, especially among his Hispanic voters. After the 2008 and 2012 elections, that alliance became known as the Obama Coalition. Nevada should be the poster child for this trend. It's now majority non-white, Dems control the governorship, both Senate seats, and three out of four House seats, and they've won the state in four straight presidential elections. But as Teixeira notes, Democrats have actually been losing ground in the state. Quote, Nevada went from three-tenths of percentage more Democratic than the nation as a whole in 2016 to two points more Republican in 2020. Nevada Democrats' margin among Hispanics dropped by eight points between those two elections, and the decline, quote, was driven almost entirely by working-class Hispanics. In other words, Democrats' Hispanic voter problem is their working-class voter problem. RNC Chair Ronna McDaniel is reversing course and planning to seek another term atop the GOP if the party is successful in November with support from Trump, Politico's Alex Eisenstadt reports. McDaniel has met with Trump about running for a fourth term next year, though she'd previously said this would be her last. If she does serve two more years, she'd be the longest tenured RNC chair ever. If she doesn't run, Trump ally David Bossie is eyeing the post. 
The New Republic is out this morning with new polling, showing that large majorities of both Democrats and Republicans are worried about the near-term future of American democracy. Four results jumped out at us. One, 57% of Republicans say they view January 6th more as an act of patriotism than as an insurrection. Two, 61% of Democrats say improving border security and restricting illegal immigration would strengthen democracy. Three-fifths of Republicans think mask and vaccine mandates are a serious threat to democracy. And four, majorities of both parties view new election laws, giving state legislatures more power to determine the winner of the presidential election in their state as a serious threat to democracy. Here's what's up in Washington today, starting with the White House at 1040 a.m. Eastern. Biden will leave the White House for North Carolina, arriving in Greensboro at 1220. There, Biden will visit the North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University, meeting with faculty and students studying robotics and cybersecurity. He'll deliver remarks about the supply chain, infrastructure, and economic renewal at 2.15. At 3.30, Biden will leave North Carolina, arriving at Camp David at 5.10. Principal Deputy Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre will gaggle on Air Force One on the way to North Carolina. The Senate and the House are out today. All right, one quick thing before we get out of here. The Biden administration is considering sending a top official to Kyiv to meet with Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky, Politico's Jonathan Lemire and Alex Ward-Scoop. Who could it be? Most likely a cabinet member, like Secretary of State Antony Blinken or Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. There's also a chance it could be Biden or Harris themselves. There's also a chance that the unstable nature of the war could scuttle the trip altogether. All right, for more news on what's happening in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter. That's at politico.com slash playbook. Our music is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Raghuman Avalin. Have a good Thursday. We'll see you first thing tomorrow morning. Facebook connects people, and they know meaningful connection can only happen on safe, secure platforms. That's why they've invested $16 billion in safety over six years. The impact? They've quadrupled their safety and security teams and addressed millions of pieces of harmful content and removed 1.7 billion fake accounts over the last few months. Learn more about how they protect their communities online and the work ahead at about.fb.com slash taking action.